This morning, the third and final message on the features of Judgment Day. Our focus is on verse 16. So in order to catch the context, I'm going to read a little bit more this morning. I'm going to read this morning, starting in verse 5, to put it in perspective. Romans 2, starting in verse 5. And according to your hardness and impenitent heart, you are accumulating for yourself wrath. In a day of wrath and of revelation of God's righteous judgment, who will give back to everyone according to his works. On one hand, to those who by perseverance and good work seek glory, honor, and immortality, everlasting life. On the other hand, to those who from selfishness are both disobeying the truth and being persuaded by injustice, will be wrath and anger, affliction and distress on every soul of man that does evil, of a Jew first and also of a Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to a Jew first and also to a Greek, for with God is no favoritism, for as many who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned within the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are right with God. Rather, the doers of the law will be justified. For whenever nations or Gentiles that don't have the law, do by nature the things of the law, these, although they don't have the law, are the law for themselves, who display the law's work written in their hearts, their conscience giving corroborating testimony, and their thoughts among one another, either bringing charges or offering self-defense, on a day when God judges men's secrets according to my gospel through Jesus Christ. Judgment on that day is according to works. And when God judges according to works, Judgment Day divides humanity, Judgment Day levels humanity, and Judgment Day, finally this morning, exposes humanity. It shows people for what we really are. On a day when God judges men's secrets according to my gospel through Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray and ask God's blessing. Wait a minute. Before we pray, what's going on? Oh, all right. He says the phone was muted. I guess somebody was trying to listen and couldn't hear. 
thank you for fixing that, Paul. I always got to redo the whole thing. I'm just going to take a second, folks. All right, very good. So now let's pray and ask God's blessing on the ministry of this holy word. Father, as we come to consider this morning this final feature of the judgment day that Paul highlights and underscores, we pray that the Holy Spirit will indeed come upon us and that you will bring each one of us to judgment day honesty this morning, that we would be honest before you about who we really are and how we really live so that that great day would not come upon us as a horrible disgrace and shock. But that we would have dealings with you that are honest and forthright, just like the dealings we'll have with you on that day, so that you would receive all the honor, praise, and glory. We have no power to do this, but you can. And we pray that you would. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now the precise connection of verse 16 with the rest is debated by the commentators. But to my mind, there's no good way you can leave any of the things that he says in the immediate context out of it. Which is why I read all the way back to verse 5. Does he mean that on judgment day he will judge all men according to their works? Yes. Does he mean that when he judges all human beings on that day according to their works, that he will divide mankind into two groups, the saved and the lost, the righteous and the wicked, on that day? Yes. Does he mean that on that day he will level humanity and people from every branch of the human race, no matter how much privilege they've enjoyed in this life, will be leveled on that day? Yes. That's right. None of these things can be eliminated because all of those things will happen on this day when God judges men's secrets. On that day, he will judge humanity according to works. On that day, he will divide the human race into two categories, the righteous and the wicked. On that day, he will level the human race, and it won't matter how much privilege you had or what your ethnic connection is. On that day, he will judge, divide, and level the human race. And on that day, he will judge what he calls the secrets of men. And just like God's judgment on that last day, will divide humanity and level humanity, so also it will make manifest what humanity really is. It will expose humanity. Every one of us will be made manifest. Every one of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we do, it will be manifest, it will be plain, it will be exposed what we really are and how we really live will be manifest on that day. On the day when God will judge the secrets of men 
according to my gospel through Jesus Christ. Judgment Day will not only divide and level, it will expose mankind, the truth about mankind. What will God judge and expose? The substance of this exposure? The secrets of men. Why, by what standard will God judge and expose? According to my gospel. By what spokesman will God judge and expose? Through Jesus Christ. You have the substance of this exposure? The secrets of men. The standard of this exposure? According to my gospel. And the spokesman, the divine spokesman, through Jesus Christ. So first of all, look at what's going to be revealed. On that day, God will judge everyone, not based on what we said we were, or based on what people thought we were, but based on what we really were, based on what God knows us truly to be. And this will cut two ways. So this is like a two-edged sword. When God shows what you really are, that's either going to be, for you and me, very good or very bad. Because it's not going to be based on what we professed we were. Or what people thought we were. But but we really were. And that doesn't mean that everybody's a hypocrite. And it doesn't mean either that everybody that says they're a Christian really is one. But it cuts two ways. And the Apostle Paul says that. In 1 Corinthians 4.5. He says, therefore, don't judge anything before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. And then will each one have his praise from God. So when the secrets are revealed of the righteous, each one will have his praise from God. But on the other hand, Jesus warns in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that practice lawlessness. So it's not about how gifted you are or how much profession of Christianity you made. But it's a matter of how you actually really live with regard to following the revealed will of God in gospel obedience. And so it cuts two ways. Some people, he's going to say, depart from me, you cursed. And he's going to expose what they really were. 
They sat in the pew, but they weren't saved. They stood in the pulpit, but they weren't saved. They had great gifts, but they didn't know Christ. Other people, it's going to expose what they really were. That they really were sincere and genuine believers that followed the Lord in their heart and lived before him with a good conscience and served him out of love and gratitude and they, they will receive praise from God on that day. And it's going to be manifest what we really are and how we really live what God knows to be true of us in secret, what we can't see about each other, God sees about us. God knows what you really are, and God knows what I really am. And on that day, you're going to be judged based on the reality of what you really are in this life. And there's not going to be any fooling God. It's possible for us to fool people, but we can't fool God. Because God knows and sees what we really are. Whether we're really genuine and sincere or whether we're hypocrites. God knows the truth. And that's what's going to come out on that day. One way or the other. The secrets of men. The things that in this life are hidden. You can think that you know people, but you don't really know them. God really knows us. And what he knows to be true about us is what's going to come out on that day. Does that make sense? And if somebody's standing in a pulpit and living a double life, it's going to come out. Somebody's sitting in a pew and living a double life, it's going to come out. Somebody's living as a genuine Christian in secret, that's going to come out too. The truth is coming out. On that day. And there's going to be no more hiding it. He's going to judge the secrets of men. The secrets of human beings. Are going to be judged on that day. But that's the substance. Not appearance. Not reputation. But what we really are before God. But now look at the standard. The standard of this judgment, thank God, is evangelical. It's good. We're going to be judged, he says, quote, according to my gospel. It's going to be a gospel judgment. When he judges the secret things of human beings, we're going to be judged, thank God, not by the strict standard of the law, but by the gospel. As to whether or not we lived a genuine life of repentance toward God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and a life of gospel, evangelical obedience to God. Not those that said, Lord, Lord, Jesus says, but those that did the will of my Father who is in heaven, the doers of the law. Not perfect doers, but genuine, sincere gospel obedience to God. That's the standard on which we're going to be judged on that day. Not a standard of strict justice, but a standard of evangelical obedience to the gospel. And based on that standard of gospel obedience, he's going to look at your life, 
And he's going to look at my life. And he's going to say, either we're hypocrites or we're genuine Christians that repented from our sin, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and live a life of gospel obedience to God. According to my gospel. The question that I've been asked many times is whether or not on the last day when it says we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, whether or not God is going to point out all of our hidden secret remaining sins on that day. Is that going to happen? Are all of our sins going to be paraded before the whole moral universe on that day? Well, let me give my just basic general answer to that question. My answer to that question is simply this. All the passages that feature or highlight or picture the righteous on that day of judgment picture God commending and blessing and encouraging the righteous. Come ye blessed, inherit the kingdom. Then will each man a genuine converted man, have his praise from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. Come ye blessed, for I was hungry, you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. So these passages that picture the righteous before the judgment seat of Christ feature God's commendation, blessing, praise, and reward of the righteous. That's what the scripture says. So whether or not God is going to expose all my remaining sins on that day, the Bible doesn't say explicitly, answer the question one way or the other, but this much I know. If God wants to show all my sins on that day, all the sins of my heart, my thought, my words, my deeds, my actions, then he will also show that Jesus died for those sins. He will also show repentance from those sins and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ regarding those sins. And let, let me fall, I pray you, into the hands of the Lord and not into the hands of men, for very great are his tender mercies. And if there is on that day any such thing, then it will be, quote, according to my gospel. And it will be a gospel exposure. And with the exposing of the remaining sin will be exposing of repentance and faith in Christ and trust in Christ. And if God wants to show how much Jesus paid to save a hell-deserving wretch like me, let him do what seems good in his eyes. Surely it's true. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. It's true. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling, and foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. And I freely admit that I deserve to go to hell more now than I ever did. And I have had to say to myself, what are you going to say to God on that day? What are you going to say about yourself? What can I say? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I am a wretched hell deserving sinner and thank God that the judgment on that day will be Paul says 
according to my gospel. So if God says to me, you know, Greg Nichols, you deserve to go to hell. Yes, I do. Why should I let a hell-deserving sinner like you into heaven? My only hope is Jesus. Jesus lived for me. Jesus died for me. That's what I say to him now. And hopefully, by God's grace, that's what I'll say to him on that day. I don't have anything else to say. Do you think that you deserve to go to hell now more than when I saved you? Yes. Yes, I do. What's your only hope? My only hope is Jesus' blood and Jesus' righteousness. And he lived for me and he died for me. That's it. So am I going to be exposed on that day for what I really am? Yes. I am. Do I have grievous sins? Yes. Am I a wretched, hell-deserving sinner? Yes. And my only hope is Jesus. And I tell you that if this doesn't work, I don't know what else to tell you. My hope is in Jesus and his blood and that Jesus is alive and raised from the dead and that he promises to save wretched, hell-deserving sinners who call upon him, who repent of sin and believe in him on the ground of what Christ did and him alone. That's all I know to tell you. This text says the judgment that we're going to face on that day will be according to the gospel of Paul. And that gospel is a gospel of grace. And he says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So what he says about that judgment that exposes us for what we really are, and if it exposes all of our remaining corruptions and that we remain in our remaining sin, we deserve to go to hell more now than when we were converted. We still have only one thing to say. Jesus lived and Jesus died for me. And I trust in him. And if strict justice were meted out on that day, I'd be in hell forever because that's where I deserve to be. It's a gospel judgment. Don't ever forget that. It's a gospel judgment. So it's an honest judgment that exposes what we really are. It's a gospel judgment that holds us accountable for how we lived and what we said and what we did according to the gospel. The standard is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. And then finally, the spokesman. When God judges the secrets of men according to my gospel through Jesus Christ, the exclusive mediator of that judgment is Jesus. So I thought when I was going to preach this today, I don't need a special resurrection sermon because God in his providence gave us one. You say, well, what does this have to do with the resurrection of Christ? The point is this. 
Acts 17, 30 and 31 connects this text with the resurrection. How does it connect it? Listen to what Paul wrote. Truly, and he's preaching on Mars Hill, these times of ignorance, Acts 17, 30, God overlooked. But now, he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he'll judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. That the mediator of judgment, the spokesman for God on that day is Jesus Christ, the God-man, God incarnate. He alone will mediate the judgment. He will be the spokesman on God's behalf on that day. He's the exclusive mediator. He has appointed a day in which he'll judge the world. And when he judges the world on judgment day, he divides men, he levels men, exposes men, and he does it according to the gospel, and he does it through Jesus Christ. But what's the connection? Now listen to what he says next. Acts 17.31 Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, of this he has given assurance to all. How? By raising him from the dead. The resurrection of Christ is God's pledge, guarantee to the entire world that he, Jesus Christ alone, is the divine spokesman, the mediator of judgment on judgment day. How do you know that it's going to be through Jesus Christ? Because God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus, the literal, historical, bodily resurrection of Jesus, is God's pledge and proof to all mankind that when he judges the world in righteousness, when he divides and separates and equalizes and levels and exposes and makes manifest what everybody really is on that day, he's going to do it according to the gospel and he's going to do it through the mediation of Jesus Christ. And the proof is Jesus is alive. Jesus is no longer dead. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and this is the proof. And it's the only proof you're going to get from God. But it is proof from God. It's God's pledge that when he judges the world, he's going to do it through Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Every other great religious leader of all the religions of mankind, every other, other one of them is dead. Moses is dead. Confucius is dead. Buddha is dead. Mohammed is dead. Jesus is alive. Jesus is not dead. We read this morning from the Gospel of John the story of that resurrection and the evidence and the eyewitnesses. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And that's God's pledge that when he judges the world on that day and when he makes manifest what we really are, 
He's going to do it according to the apostolic gospel. And he's going to do it through Jesus Christ. And to that end, he raised him from the dead. Well, that's what I wanted to preach to you this morning. That's what I think the text says. You understand why I think it says that? I think it says he's going to judge the secrets of men. That that exposure is going to be a gospel exposure. It's going to be evangelical exposure. And it's going to be mediated exposure through Jesus Christ. So what? What if that's true? What if this text is true? Do you think that if this is true, it should make any difference with respect to how we live? What do you think? If you believe this is true, how do you think it should affect your life? Do you think about that? Because if it's not true, what are you doing here today? If it's not true, why are you here? What are you doing here? If this book's not true, if this all bunch of baloney, why are you bothering to come here? Why don't you go do something else? You'll waste your time coming here for it. Go do something else on Sunday. But let me tell you, if this is true, and it is true, and it is really true that all of us are going to be made manifest as to what we really are and how we really lived on that day, and we're going to be judged by a gospel standard through Jesus, that's really true, and Jesus is really alive. Well, the first thing it says to us is that we need to get right with God. Don't you think that's obvious? Why would you want to wait to be exposed until the day of judgment? If this is true, the very first and foremost thing it says to us is that we need to get right with God right now while we're still alive, go to God, talk to him, talk to Jesus. Say, he can't hear me. He's alive. He can hear you. Go talk to him. You know what I really am, God. You see me. I can't hide from you. I can hide from other people. I can live a double life that they don't know about. But I can't hide from you. You know the truth about me. I don't want to live as your enemy anymore. I don't want to fight against you anymore. I'm sorry for my sins. And call on Jesus to forgive you. And trust in him. Because if you will confess with your mouth Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Trust in him. Call out upon him to rescue you from your sin. And don't wait, because you don't know how much longer you're going to live. Right now you're alive. Thank God. You're alive. Right now you have an opportunity. 
you have a chance to get right. So get right. Get right now. Call on Jesus now to rescue you. Please, I entreat you, don't wait until you stand before God in judgment. And you have the privilege of hearing the gospel and having the scriptures expounded to you. And that privilege is going to come back on that day and God's going to use it to judge you. Don't wait. This is actually really true. Take it to heart. What about those of us that say we are, well, we're, I'm a Christian. Okay. This calls us to live in the fear of God behind closed doors to cultivate secret godliness and put away hypocrisy. Why? Because on that day, God is going to judge the secrets of men. And it's not what we just appear to be and profess to be on Sunday morning, but what he knows us to be Monday through Saturday, and after we leave here Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, it's what we really are when nobody else is looking but God that's going to be made manifest, opened up on that day. And it calls us as professing Christians to put away secret hypocrisy and put on secret godliness. And the Bible says that there are some sins that in the very nature of these sins tend to be more secret. That people try to keep secret. And these are the sins and the behaviors that we need to put away. You say, well, what sins does the Bible say are more secret? Okay, number one. This may surprise you. Secret hatred, malice, ill will. Do you remember when we were kids? And that was a long time ago for me. But I remember kids used to say, openly, I hate her. I hate him. But, you know, it's not the type of thing that Christians do. We come into church, talk about each other. I hate her. I hate him. If we have that kind of malice and hatred in our heart, we have a tendency to keep it more secret and more covered because if we went around talking about how much we hate people, we'd get rebuked. You understand? But when we were kids, kids just go around, I hate her, I hate him, right? You ever heard anybody talk like that? I still remember that. And that was a long time ago. But we don't talk like that anymore. Oh, no, no, we're more, much more polite and polished and refined. And we don't go around talking how much we hate people. And the scripture says in Proverbs 10, whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. 
So how do we expose this secret hatred by spreading bad stories about people, slanders about people? It's a type of sin that we tend to keep secret. Proverbs 26.26 Though his hatred covers itself with guile, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. The wickedness of hypocrites that live in hate and malice will be exposed on that day. So, my dear friend, if you have bitterness and malice and hatred in your heart toward anyone, this is the time to deal with it before it is exposed on that day. Don't go around carrying malice and hatred and bitterness toward anyone in your heart. Well, sometimes we're not in touch with our feelings, especially men. So, all of us, go to God. Search me, Lord, and see. Is there any wickedness and malice in me? Is my heart full of bitterness and hatred to anyone? Ask God to show you what's in your heart. Search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Am I malicious? Do I hate people? Are there people that I, that have, I think they've wronged me and I refuse to forgive them and I hold it against them and I'm bitter to them and I'd get even with them if, they could. if I could. I have nothing good to say about them. Right? Don't let that kind of stuff go in your heart because he that hides hatred is of lying lips. Though his wickedness cover itself with guile, it will be made manifest. It's coming out. If you live a life with a heart full of a secret sin of malice and bitterness, that day will expose it. So don't live like that. Don't live like that. Put that malice away out of your heart. So what, somebody terribly wronged me? I don't doubt it. But that doesn't mean you have to live with bitterness and malice in your heart. Well, how do I get rid of it? Take it to God. Do not avenge yourself, beloved, but defer to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. What a great example of that is Joseph. Joseph's brothers did him horrible wrong. And when their father died, they were afraid that Joseph was going to take vengeance on them. And Joseph said, am I in the place of God? It's not my place to take vengeance on you. That's up to God. You don't have to worry about my vengeance. What you need to be concerned about is God's vengeance. And so what you do is you take all that wrong that they did and you take it to God. And you leave it with God. You say, they did this to me. They said that about me. They treated me this way. It was wrong. It was awful. It was terrible. Yes, it was. I'm not denying it. Okay. They did you terrible wrong. Take it to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Leave it with God. And leave it with God to avenge it. And you take the malice and the bitterness and all that out of your heart and get it out and leave it out. And don't live with it. 
Because this is one of the sins that tends to be kept secret. We're not like kids anymore. We're not running around saying, I hate him, I hate her, I hate. No, no. We cover it over. Don't cover it over. Bring it to God. Leave it with God. And don't live in that kind of secret malice and bitterness. Don't live like that. Put it away. Because on that day, the secrets are going to be exposed. And then what happens is, when, that, when you when left that with God, you say, okay, the person that wronged me, I deserve to go to hell as much as they do. So Lord, when you punish their sins, punish it on the cross like you punish mine. Don't punish them in hell. Yeah, they deserve to be punished, but you know what? So do I. They deserve to go to hell. You know what? So do I. You had mercy on me. God had mercy on them too. Punish their sins on the cross like you punish mine. And that's how you deal with malice. You don't have to live with malice. You don't have to live with this hatred in your heart. And I treat you don't. But that's not the only sin. There's also secret prayerlessness. Hypocrites only pray in public. They never pray in secret. Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corner of the streets that they may be seen of men. But you, when you pray... Enter into your closet, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. So when the secrets are revealed on that day, what's going to be revealed about you in secret? Do you pray, or don't you pray? What's the secret truth? I don't know. The only person's secrets about whether he prays or not that I know, me. I know whether I pray or not. Do I know what you do in secret? Of course not. How could I possibly know what you do in secret? Do I know whether you pray in secret? Do I know whether or not in secret you say to God, Oh God, I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for the way you've blessed me. Bless other people. Help me. I don't know whether you do that or not. But I'm telling you that one of the marks of hypocrisy, one of the crucial marks of the kind of secret sin characteristic of hypocrites that's going to be exposed on that day is that hypocrites in secret do not pray. They don't say sorry. They don't say thank you. They don't say bless other people. They don't say help me. They don't say anything. They don't talk to God in secret. They may come into church and they may stand up and say, Oh God! Maybe. But they don't say anything in secret. Once the church doors are closed, so is their mouth. That's it. Nothing to say to God in secret. So here's the next thing that's coming out on that day. 
if you are the type of person that in secret never says a word to God, it's going to be exposed. It's coming out. So you don't want to live like that. Don't live like that. Don't live like somebody who in secret never prays. But in secret, seek the Lord. Another type of secret sin is secret selfishness. That people in secret are so selfish that all they ever care about is themselves. Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 to 43, Jesus speaks about this. He says to the, to the wicked, Depart from me, you cursed, to the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. You didn't clothe me, you never cared about anybody or anything but yourself. So what's going on in secret? In secret, when nobody else that knows you here on a Sunday sees, is in secret your life about serving God and doing good? Or about selfishness and just doing things that are focused on your own pleasure and entertainment and never stop? To think about anybody or anything other than yourself. The truth is coming out on that day. And what the Bible says is that we should put away secret selfishness and stir up secret generosity and benevolence and doing good. Secret generosity, benevolence, and doing good. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay him back again. And Luke 14, 13 and 14, that was Proverbs 19, 17. And Luke 14, 13 and 14 says, when you give a feast, invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. Because you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Those things that you did in secret, the benevolence and the kindness and the generosity to those in need, the repayment is coming, one way or the other. That's what Jesus said to the righteous on that day, come you blessed, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. A life of generosity and benevolence and doing good to those in need, this is going to be rewarded on that day. And a life of selfishness that never thinks about anybody or anything but yourself, this is going to be exposed on that day. And then, the next thing is secret impurity. Sexual sin, the Bible says, is often done in secret under a cloak of darkness. Romans 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness. Ephesians 5, 3 to 12, but fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named among you. 
For you are you once were darkness. For these things the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Walk as children of light. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things that they do in secret. I'm not even going to get into the details of the kinds of things that people do in secret. Because it's a disgrace, it's a shame even to speak of it, but it's talking about sexual uncleanness in the eye, in the life, a double life of impurity sexually will be exposed on that day. This is another kind of sin that tends to be kept secret. And finally, the final thing, not only secret impurity, but secret dishonesty and greed. Put put away secret theft, dishonesty, and greed As a thief is ashamed when he is found. People usually don't go around talking about, you know, I stole. It's not the type of thing, typically, that people are proud of. A lack of integrity in the way you deal with money in secret. Do you cheat on your taxes? Do you cheat people in business deals? Are you robbing from God is 10%. This is the type of thing that people do in secret. Malachi chapter 3 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse because you've robbed me even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now by this, says the Lord of hosts, if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. So if we are robbing God, We're secretly cheating, stealing material things. It's all going to come out. You can't live a life of secret greed and theft, secret impurity and sexual immorality, secret hatred, secret selfishness, secret prayerlessness. You can't live a life, a life like this and get away with it. These are the sins that the Bible says people tend to keep secret, but God sees this. And the secrets of human beings will come out on that day. So if you profess to be a Christian, and your lifestyle is marked by any of these secret sins, I entreat you right now, 
in the meekness and gentleness of Christ, this is the time to put this stuff away and get right with God. It's going to come out anyway. Get and keep a good conscience. He that covers his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is a call to all of us to go before God and to say, Lord, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now I know over the years... I have not reacted well when preachers stand up and point an accusing finger at God's people. I don't like that. Doesn't sit well with me. Because I think that we ought to be, what scripture says, helpers of your joy. And what I said this morning, I hope it's searching. But I'm not saying it with an accusing finger. You people are hypocrites. There's a hypocrite in here. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I, I can do that. I don't like that. It's not where I'm coming from. It's not my heart. It's not my spirit. If there is a hypocrite in here, God knows it. And may God deal with us if we are that. I want to be a helper of your joy. And even if I'm preaching to you, and I am from my heart, that you search your heart and don't live in secret sin, I'm doing it because I want you to go to heaven and not to hell. I'm doing it to be a helper of your joy. You can't have joy in the Lord if you're living in this secret sin, if you're living in this kind of hypocrisy, and it's going to come out on the last day. That's not in your best interest. And the reason that I'm saying this is not to try to guilt manipulate you. I'm saying this because the text requires it to be said in all honesty that God's going to expose what we really are on that day. And the Bible speaks about secret sins that are going to come out and secret hypocrisy that's going to be exposed. And not to deal with it, because I don't like pointing fingers, would be unfaithful, frankly. So I'm not making any excuses for preaching the text. I'm just telling you. I'm not preaching it to guilt manipulate you, jump all over you, accuse you of anything. I'm preaching it because I want you to go to heaven. I'm preaching it because we all live in the danger that some of us could think that we can live in these secret sins and get away with it. And the truth is, dear people, we cannot. And if any of us is living like this, this is the time to get rid of it, get it out of your life, and get right with God. It could be that it's going on in our church and we don't know it. I remember hearing a message about Achan one time. Is there an Achan in the midst? All right. And Joshua said to Achan, 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 
Come forward now. Confess what you did, son. And Achan comes forward and he says, ah, I saw this goodly Babylonian, Babylonian garment and I took it and I hid it. It's in my tent. Oh, good. Thanks for coming forward. And all Israel stoned him with stones and they killed him. Say, so, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not coming forward. No, thanks. Now, now, now look, if, if you're, this is not Israel. We're not going to stone people that come forward and admit, I've been living in a hypocrite. Oh, good. Thanks for telling. All right, get the stones. Let's kill them. No, 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 no. You that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, looking to yourself, lest you also be tempted. I mean, all of us are equally capable of living in this kind of secret hypocrisy. And if you do come forward and you say, I've been living a wicked life, we're not going to throw stones at you and condemn you. We deserve to go to hell as much as you do. But the point is, you need to get right now. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Whoso confesses and forsakes is not going to get stoned. You're going to obtain mercy. Confessing and forsaking is the way of mercy. So I entreat you in the meekness and gentleness of Christ that there's anything like this going on in your life. Get right with God. And if you need to, get right with his people. Make this right now, before it's too late, before it all comes out on the day of judgment. I entreat you in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Because, folks, the day's coming when what we really are is going to be made manifest. God will judge the secrets of men according to my gospel through Jesus Christ. Let's pray.